Praise God. I'd like to welcome everyone tonight, all of our guests. We're so glad to have you. Those that are joining us online tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service. Pray that you're blessed by it wherever you are. And uh, I think it was mentioned last week, uh, but uh, those of you that were here last weekend, I was in uh, England this past week for Brother John Hema's son Patrick's wedding, which was Thursday, got home last night, and uh, my wife and I leave tomorrow to celebrate 25 years of marriage. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And uh, I hate the fact that I've been gone a week and am leaving again tomorrow, but I have to say I am very excited about getting to go and spend a week and a half celebrating with my better half. Praise God. Amen. We don't normally do this when we're, I don't normally do this when I'm out of town, but I will let you know that uh, Bishop will be ministering in all services while I'm gone. So I encourage you to be here. I know you will be blessed by that. Obviously, it's a rare opportunity with his schedule especially. So uh, I know that you are in very good hands. We'll bring in the veteran. Praise God. Amen. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, like to begin reading with verse number 1. Mark 11, verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied whereon never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them stood there, said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. My title tonight, I'm not stuttering, I haven't made a mistake. My title tonight is Divine coincidence divine coincidence father thank you for your presence in this place tonight thank you for the privilege of being in your presence thank you for your spirit that is ministering in this place tonight thank you for what you're going to continue to do here tonight i trust god that you will speak to us I ask you again tonight, Father, this would not simply be a sermon to take up time in this service, but you would let me be a vessel that you could speak through tonight, Lord. 
a word, a rhema from you. I trust you, depend on you tonight for your anointing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know there are some things we hear, and I think our response is, yeah, we've heard it before. Hopefully that won't be your response. But I'm telling you, in the Holy Ghost, there's something going on. In case you somehow haven't put the pieces together, over the last three to four weeks, there have been several notable miracles. I'm talking that kind of stuff you hear people talk about someplace else. Again, stage four cancer being healed. Broken bones that MRIs say no sign of a broken bone. Several... You've, we've yet to share them publicly. I intend for at least one or two of them to get shared publicly. But several notable financial miracles or breakthroughs that have happened in several different lives. And so I'm telling you tonight, there is something happening in the Holy Ghost. I know it's been a challenging year. I know we've been through a lot with the changes and transitions that we've been through. But I'm telling you tonight... Not that it's happening tonight. I'm just declaring to you tonight, something is shifting. And I've come to challenge and encourage and inspire and whatever else it may fall in to tonight that we need to get our eyes open and get to looking. Because God is up to something. As, as Mordecai said to Esther, I used it a couple of weeks ago, but as Mordecai said to Esther, I'm paraphrasing the way the King James says it, but what Mordecai said to her was, God is going to deliver his people. It's not a question of whether or not God's going to deliver his people. Mordecai said to Esther, the only question there is, is who God's going to use. I've come to declare to Antioch Central tonight, it is already determined that there is going to be an unprecedented move of the Holy Ghost that happens through us. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when and a matter of who is going to be the participants Webster's defines a coincidence as the occurrence of events that happen at the same time by accident but seem to have some connection They seem like they are an accident, but they also seem like they have a connection. I've come to tell you tonight, there's a lot more connections that seem to be coincidence. Jesus says to these disciples, I want you to go into the city. And when you get there, you're going to find in the village, there's going to be a colt that is tied up. Somebody 
just happened that day to tie that colt at that spot. I don't think the owner of that colt woke up that morning and was in early morning prayer and that God spoke to him and said, Thus saith the Lord unto you, my son, take the colt and tie him up. I really don't think that's what happened. I think that guy was just going about his business, the owner assuming it was a guy, maybe it was a lady, whoever it was, was just going about their day and just happened to stop at that spot and tie him to that post. But while that was going on, God is saying to the, Jesus is saying to the disciples, I need you to go into the village. Because what somebody else doesn't know is it may seem like an accident, but there is a connection. It may appear to be a coincidence, but there's really something going on. And he also said, this is a cult whereon never a man has set. He didn't say, go find me a thoroughbred that's got a good chance of winning the triple crown. He didn't say, go get me a horse that Brother Phil has trained for months and months and is ready to be ridden. He said, I want a colt that has no experience, that does not seem to be qualified, that does not seem to have the credentials To carry the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I pause to tell somebody tonight that you think you're just a colt tied up somewhere that has no qualifications. I got a feeling God's put you right where you are. And God has already decided. I've got something planned for you that is exceeding abundantly above what you have planned for yourself. I'm just going to tell you, I've said this at times past, it's been a while, so I'm going to say it again tonight. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I am just a bit skeptical of people that say God tell them to do every little thing. Well, God spoke to me to do this, and God spoke to me to do that, and God spoke to me to do this, and God spoke to me to do that. My opinion, this is my opinion, hear ye, hear ye, my opinion When you say that, that often what you're saying is, I am an immature son or daughter. It's Sunday night. Where we live, trash comes on Monday. If I have to every Sunday night, thus saith your father unto you, Nathaniel, Thus saith your father unto you, Timothy, take the trash out. Well, they're guys and they forget. Yeah, give me that mess. Because the majority of the time, these two young men remember when it's Sunday night. Of course, it probably helps to drive by about 15 houses with cans at the end of the driveway. But I give them credit for being observant enough to recognize there's cans out. 
Do I believe God speaks to us? Absolutely. Do I believe God can speak to you? Absolutely, I do. Do I believe God tells you every little thing to do? No, I don't. Oh, hallelujah. And I actually have come to believe that most of the time we are just supposed to get ourselves in the flow. Because if I can just get myself in the flow of the Spirit, if I can just get in the... When it comes to culture, you need to be... A, isn't it a, is a salmon that goes upstream? Yeah. When it comes to culture, you need to be a salmon. You need to swim against the current. You need to make up your mind, no matter how hard the current's going, you're going to go against it. But let me tell you something. When it comes to the Spirit of God, you need to be a jellyfish. You just need to get in it and let go. And let God take you. And I've come to tell you tonight, and I'll give you a few examples in case you don't believe me. If you'll just get in the flow, God has a way of getting you at the right place at the right time. I, 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 I guess to be honest, part of this, and, and, and forgive me if you think this should be otherwise, I've been preaching since I was 18, I'm 45, and all I know is this is the way it's been. Sometimes I try to change it, and it, no matter how hard I try to change it, it usually doesn't work. I, I rarely know two or three days at best in advance before what I'm going to preach. Every now and then I get a little bit more than that. And so part of this message tonight was inspired from this past week. This past week, as I've already mentioned, I was in England for the wedding of Brother Hema's son, Patrick. Brother and Sister Hema's saved in this church, now in Liverpool as missionaries. Wednesday night was the rehearsal. As is the case with most rehearsals, it started nowhere near on time. And by the time it got done, we had, we had not eaten. Actually, I don't think my dad and I had basically eaten all day. Um, we were caught up doing other stuff. We played a little bit of golf that day, and we just hadn't eaten. So by the time the rehearsal was over, we were, we were ready to eat. And they were discussing a couple of options. Of course, you all know what's at the top of Bishop's List for... Where to go? But he gave in. And we ended up at Pizza Hut. Bishop's not much of a pizza fan. We walked in there about 9.20. They closed at 10. They did not seem... I, I'd never understand walking into a restaurant. I don't care if it is 30 minutes before closing. It's business. I represent money. They didn't act too happy to have us, but we got sat down. We ordered. A couple other people were still caught up at the reception. They finally came. We're sitting there, and one of the individuals at the table accidentally, of course, knocked over their glass. It fell on the floor and broke into pieces. Just so happened a few minutes later, the manager comes out to start to clean up the mess. 
He was uh, been in England, I think, 20 plus years, if I remember correctly, but he was born in Nigeria. About 10 minutes later, a divine coincidence had taken place. Because by the time Bishop and Brother Hemus got done with him, he acknowledged at the beginning of the conversation, I was an apostolic when I was a kid. And they got to talking about speaking in tongues, of which he said he just didn't do very well. To which Brother Hemus responded, if you'll be at church on Sunday, I guarantee you, Wasn't no, wasn't no possibility. It wasn't no maybe. He said, I guarantee you, if you'll be there on Sunday, you will speak in tongues. Finally, after about probably 15 minutes of conversation, it ended. We just happened. We, we, we didn't get down at the church. Oh, God, where do you want us to go tonight? Send us to where you... We was just hungry, and that was the option. But there was an accident that seemed to have a connection. Because there was a connection. I don't know. I, I didn't see it. I'm going you know, I'm not gonna get, try to get over spiritual. I, I, I didn't see what happened. For all I know, there may have just been an angel that walked by to that glass. I actually think an arm, but you know, that'd make a better story, you know. Just, just happened. I, I haven't heard yet. I don't know if he said he'd be there today. I don't know if he was there or not. I mentioned this one this morning, the course of the message here on Sunday morning at Arnold, but the other night we went to Damon's. We were trying to really get the flavor of England. No offense if you're from there. The bottom line is there's not much flavor in England. You don't go there for the food. You're from there, maybe you think that. But Damon's, Damon's rib. You can't even find Damon's anymore around here. We were sitting there and a couple of tables over, the, our server, a young lady about 19 years old. She was over cleaning a table. I think what was the manager came by and they were having a little discussion that apparently was a little bit heated discussion because I missed this part, but... She let out a few words of profanity. I think he kind of got on to her. Several minutes later, in true Brother Hema's fashion, she walked up to the table and he said, You need to be at church on Sunday. I heard you over there cussing. <laughs> she kind of chuckled. The conversation began. He began to point around the table. He started with himself. I'm a preacher. He's a preacher. He's a preacher. He's a preacher. She's a preacher. We believe in baptism by immersion. She said, what? 
I've never, 19 years old, I've never heard of that. All she heard of was infant baptism. She's standing there with an arm, this arm with probably four or five dishes stacked on it, and this arm with a basket of bread for about ten minutes. As again, Bishop and Brother Hema's tag team. The rest of us just sat there and smiled. Old Bishop said, you know that emptiness you're feeling right now. Kind of. Or it's the other guy at Pizza Hut. He said, you know you're feeling the Holy Ghost right now. Ten minutes into that conversation. My mother's been looking for the church recently. Because my mother needs peace. Bishop said, your mother ain't the only one that needs peace. We just happen to end up at Damon's. We just happen to end up at her table. She just happened to cuss a little bit. But I'm telling you, there was a divine coincidence. And I've come to declare to Antioch Central tonight, if you and I will just start listening a little bit, I believe that God has got some divine coincidences that are already ordered. It's just a matter of us listening a little bit. Do, do, I know it's, you know, there's a lot of verses we use them in a certain context, and a lot of times the context is okay, but it's really not the truest context. And, and this is one of those verses, but I think the principle is actually there. But Jesus said he had come to seek and save. He didn't say the lost, he said that which was lost. But I believe in a part of the context of that is souls. He said that's what he came to do. It always, it, or not always, let me rephrase that. Lately, it's been really puzzling me why we feel so strongly to talk God into doing what was his idea. And trying to twist his arm to do what he said he came to do. And then we beg him for a harvest when he told us, look on the fields, for they are ripe already to harvest. And his prayer was that the Lord of, or he asked us to pray that the Lord of the harvest not would give us a harvest, but that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. He came, lived, died, rose again so that lost souls could be saved. You think he doesn't want to reach lost souls? I, I want to give you... I may come back to that. I, I want to give you... There's, there's two of them that just jump out to me. Most of you know these. But, but look at the extent. Look at a couple of examples of the extent that God went through 
to make a divine coincidence, a connection. And I realize these were not just a coincidence by the story. But let's go to Acts chapter 10 and verse number 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. I don't know if they were rock and roll or what, but... A devout man and one that feared God with all his house. This, this guy wasn't saved. But he feared God with all his house. He gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now I want you to look at the extent God goes to for this man. He saw Cornelius in a vision about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before me. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. When the angel spake unto Cornelius, and when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now listen, listen to this. As they were going on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour. There's men coming from Cornelius' house, and now Peter's about to go pray. But there is a connection that God is about to make. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four, at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, no, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done three times and the vessel was received to get up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause whereof you are come? Wherefore you are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an angel, a holy angel, to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. I wonder, I wonder how many of you tomorrow are going to get up for another Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Oh, not Monday. 
Oh, not Monday. Monday. Oh, Monday. And you're just going to head into work for another Monday. But what you don't know is that while you're heading into work, God is on the other end. And he's, he's working on a divine coincidence. Do, do, do you know? Go, go back and read through. Go especially to the Old Testament. How, how did Joseph end up as the number two man in Egypt? How did he get there? Well, we, we know how it all, it all started with a prayer meeting one day. And in that prayer meeting, God said to Jacob, or excuse me, Joseph, Joseph, today I want you to go see your brothers. And then I want you to go to Egypt. And then I want you to go to jail. Before jail, I want you to be a slave in Potiphar's house saith the Lord unto you, my child. And of course, we know that God always speaks in King James English. He ends up, he ends up as the second most powerful man in Egypt. That from a natural perspective, from a natural perspective, appeared to be one Coincidence after another. Oh, hallelujah. Just one. They weren't even good coincidences. I mean, he gets sold into slavery. He gets wrongly accused, thrown into prison. But all of that, he may not have known it, but he was just a jellyfish. And was in the current of his destiny. <laughs> I saw this is totally out of the spirit. I saw a clip on Facebook yesterday of some preacher. He was, he was binding the devil to give somebody back their destiny. I was like, what? The devil can't take my destiny. The devil can't interfere with God's plan and purpose in my life. He can't steal what God has set in motion. He can't, he can't take what God has decreed. And if he appears to be interrupting, it's only because God stepped back a little bit and said, you know, I need you to help me out and mess some things up a little bit. But in the end, all of it's working according to my plan. Have you considered my servant Job? Oh, hallelujah. I, I, this isn't the message, right? This isn't the message where I'm going, but somebody needs to get, get a hold tonight that you're not where you are by accident. You're not where you are by accident. God, by divine appointment, has orchestrated circumstance after circumstance to get you where you are. My, my, my. Acts 9 verse 1 I, I know these weren't these don't totally fit 
coincidence because we have God clearly speaking, but I want you to get the point of how serious God is about all of this to create connections. Acts 9 and 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went, out, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to, for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when he opened his eyes, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And when he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink, and he was three days without sight, neither eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. I wonder how many people out there tonight are praying. I wonder how many people out there tonight are praying. No, they may not be down on their knees, Brother Johnson, saying it in the way we all know how to say it with eloquent words. Maybe their pray is that verse Bishop has read to us so many times that their prayer tonight is simply just a sigh. But God is hearing the prayer. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street. Verse 12, sorry. And he, he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, <laughs> we need to talk. I have heard about this man and how much evil he's done to the saints. I wonder if that's why God doesn't speak to us more. Because if he told us, we'd just argue, oh, wait a minute. You want me to go there and do that? And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you hear the communication going on here? 
Ah, Jesus. Ananias didn't hook up with Paul and say, hey, you know, or Saul at that point, excuse me. Saul, tell me about what's been going on in your life. Because God is dealing with Saul. And at the same time he's dealing with Saul, he's talking to Ananias. And Ananias doesn't walk in and say, hey, what you need? He just walks in, puts his hand, Brother Saul. That's a big difference between what he had come to do and now calling him that. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. How about this one? This one, this one's, this one fits the scenario a little bit better. Acts 8 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And you know what, God, if you're going to send me someplace, I can think of a lot of other places I'd rather go than the desert. But he says, I. I want you to go. And so guess what he did? He went. That's powerful right there. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now I know that God was talking a little bit to Philip, but it, the Ethiopian was just out riding and reading. But while he was riding and reading, God was orchestrating a connection, an accident that seemed to have a connection. I, uh, I, I, sorry if I'm not here to moan and groan and complain, but let me, I, I mentioned this this morning. Forgive me. I want to use it again, but in a different context. I, I've been having a couple of issues that I think feel like may be related to what I went through with my sickness last year. And right now, the main thing has been my shoulders, and especially my right shoulder has been hurting. So I went a couple of weeks ago and got an MRI, and they found some couple of issues in my shoulder. But I noticed last week, my left one, I think, hurts 
much as the right one does. I've been doing all the therapy on the right one, and the left one hurts too. We went last week and had a little bit of downtime and had the opportunity to play some golf. My shoulders hurt, but I get to play some golf. Therapist said, you need to stop playing racquetball. You need to take a break. Yes, sir. It hurt. But I I wasn't complaining because I made the decision. Point is, when you want to do something enough, you do what you want to do. You know, the scripture tells us morning by morning, new mercies. Morning by morning, new mercies. That's, a, that's such a great verse. There's an appendix, appendix in the back of the Bible. I'm not sure if you've ever read it, but it's back there. The other part of that verse is morning by morning, new pains I feel. You're young, you go to bed hurt and wake up feeling better. You're old, you go to bed feeling okay, you wake up and you're hurting. I thought I was in this bed the last eight hours. I feel like I've been beat up, run over by a train, get up out of the bed, try to go down the stairs, make your way down the stairs. I see sitting back there Kevin, who works at Severna Park Racquetball Club, one of the trainers. I hope he's not really listening. A couple of months ago, one of the guys, one of the guys in the racquetball league was out, and they said, "What's wrong?" Well, he he said his elbows hurt and his back's bothering him. He's got a knee that's bothering. Him. One of the other guys said, "So that's all of us." <laughs> you know what? I just got to tell you, I think there's some of you that are sitting around waiting for God to solve every problem you have. And God's sitting there waiting for you to get up. Because he's got some divine appointments that he wants you for. But you're so caught up in your world that he can't cause that divine connection. I taught it a couple of weeks ago. It's not about me. It's about him. And it's about somebody else. And it's about the fact, if I can just get moving and trust him, he is able to orchestrate and make the connection at the right time, at the right place. And he wants to do it more than you and I want him to do it. How can I understand it in a sec? Somebody tells me. Well, guess what? I just happened to show up in the middle of the desert so I could tell you. Listen to what Romans chapter 8 says. Verse 11. 
But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit, by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I I think sometimes, I think sometimes, probably not all the time, but I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. And then I think we get a few folks that probably have a legitimate gift. But then give everybody else the impression, you got to do it the way I do it. And so the rest of us, because we can't do it or it doesn't work that way for us, we do nothing. I wonder... How much the Spirit tries to lead us, but we don't recognize it because we're waiting for some mystical, spooky experience or feeling. And God's just saying, you know what, if you just move, I I know how to orchestrate some things. And then as you're moving, if you'll just listen, not even listen to him, not even having to listen to that still voice, but listen. I mean, just really listen with your natural ears. Listen. Wait a minute. Did they just really say that? Did I just really hear that? God's going, yeah, because I've been working over here. And I've been working over here. And I didn't tell you what I was doing, and I didn't tell them what I was doing. I was just doing it. I just I've just come home believing. I've just come home believing that what I just saw in two restaurants, that God is interested in that happening a whole lot more. I just kind of came home believing, you know what? That shouldn't be the exception. That ought to be the norm. But it's not, I, I know I, I pick on Brother Whaley because he can handle it. I, I, Brother Whaley's, Brother Whaley's, with mo, most everybody, if you're part of Antioch, you know God has used Brother Whaley in the gifts of the Spirit for years. Years and years God has used him. Uses him in ways that a lot of folks don't get used. 
You know what? I, I know some of the ways God has used Brother Whaley. I feel like a colt tied up to the fence. I've had a couple of times he's come to me telling me what he's seen. I'm like, where? <laughs> There's others using the gifts. I'm pausing as that thought passes and does not come to my lips. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, do, I'm behaving myself tonight. You may not know it, but I'm behaving myself. Whew. You know what? I, I believe in those things. But most of us aren't used that way. It's not that God can't. It's just he doesn't. Part of the reason he doesn't is there's not very many people that can handle it. They forget that the treasure is in an earthen vessel and the excellency of the power is of him and not of me. I've mentioned it several times now in several different ways, but I'm reading a book. It's about a 40-year-old book, so some of you will understand why I make that point. It's about a 40-year-old book, and it's the title is Preachers and Preaching. I was just reading the other day, and in one of the chapters, the author made the point that as a preacher, you should never get to the point where you, you, know, you kind of feel like, yeah, I got this. I'm paraphrasing, of course. There should always be a reverence that, you know what, the call is bigger than me. And I've done nothing to deserve it. I've done nothing to earn it. I've done nothing to be worthy of it. That I'm just an old earthen vessel. I've prayed, I don't know how many times I've stood on a platform at the beginning of a service or during a service and said, God, I don't deserve for you to use me today, but for the sake of somebody here, please use me. I, I ain't prayed like I ought to pray. I haven't fasted. I, it's gone down the list of everything I have not done to earn what I can't earn. But I still like to check off the list anyway. The excellency of the power is not of us. But I wonder how many of us God is trying, wanting to use, but because it's not happening in some preconceived way, we are missing some divine coincidences. We're missing some paths that God is causing us to cross, but we just walked by a colt and said, wow, somebody put a colt there today. We just passed through situations that we don't even recognize. You know what? Maybe, just maybe, God has been working on that end and working on my end so that the two paths will cross. I, I, part, of the, part of the reason not only to give some examples, to try to give some examples of what I'm trying to preach, but also by, by just trying to show you the extent 
that God has gone to, how, how desperate God is to get to somebody. He'll, he'll speak to Cornelius while he's speaking to Peter. He'll work on Saul while he's working on Ananias. I, I wonder how many of us truly believe tonight that God is working on countless souls. That in this county, in PG County, in the Eastern Shore, the places that just we as Antioch Central minister in on a regular basis, I wonder how many people God is out there dealing with. How many, of you, how many of you believe, you, this is not a trick question, I will tell you. How many of you believe the word of God is true? You believe the word of God is true. One more time. You believe the word of God is true. You believe every part of the word of God is true. You believe everything that is said in this book is true. That God did not make any mistakes. Look on the fields, for they are ripe already to heart. Well, Brother Wright, I tell everybody I talk to, they don't want it. Keep looking. Everybody I come in contact doesn't isn't interesting. Keep looking. Because they're one in a billion. Out there is somebody. Oh. Man, I can't. This is one of it, it's it's amazing. You've never preached, you haven't had this experience. Sometimes you come to the pulpit and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know how this is gonna go. And it just goes crazy. Other times you come to the pulpit, you're like, you know what? This is going to be good. People are going to love this. Man, nigga, it's going to be fun. Uh, I mispredicted this one. And I, I think I know why. Go back to what I said already in this service. Flesh. Flesh. Some of us need to change our theme song. This is what a bunch of us are singing. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about me. It's all about me. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things you've done. Because it's all about me. It's all about me. You know, I, I was, Brother Mark Evans came up to me after service and shared something with me. And I responded to him because there was something that had taken place that it all connected with. Oh, my goodness. Boy, this is taking a big turn. 
I, I think the problem we have a lot of times is we forget how good we have it. We, we forget how good we have it. I'm talking to the ones that are suffering tonight. How good we have it. And the things that have become so magnified in our lives that are this great issue. If you just step back for a moment. Go, you know what? I could be having to go through that. I could be facing that. I could be dealing with this. You know what? Thank you, Lord, for the suffering you've chosen for me. Your your best day in the kingdom, in the church, in the kingdom, I'm sorry, your worst day in the church, in the kingdom of God, is better than your best day in the world. So some of you sit there and you argue with me. Some do. But here's why. It's a guarantee. Because your best day in the world, you better enjoy it. Because you're lost and you're going to hell. But your worst day in the church, when everything's falling apart, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. So I'll take the bad days living for God. Because at least I know my hope is not in this life only. But the problem is there's a lot of people out there that have no hope. But God is trying to create some divine coincidences. I wonder if we had the time tonight to, to, to survey some of you. I, I wonder, how, how many of you, how many of you are not, you're not originally from Maryland? See your hand. Not originally from Maryland. That's, that's half, probably half the group here tonight. I feel so sad for you that you had to live some portion of your life someplace else. I'm very sad for you. I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, every day that goes by, I love my wife more. Every day that goes by, I love my kids more. I have to love them more to overcome the gray hairs they give me. 
I say all that because that's the most important. But I just got to tell you, just about every day that goes by, I love Maryland more. I wouldn't, I've, I've, been all, I've been privileged to go all over the world. I've been to some beautiful places. But if you gave me a blank check, I know a bunch of you don't feel that way. And sometimes it takes God a long time to remove all the darkness. But let me, let me get back. Let me get back focused here. That's probably half of you. How many of you that had your hands up? You can, you can say, I, I think there's probably a few of you that, that could say this. You are here because this is where God told you to come. That's, that's probably half of the half. The rest of you, and probably even to some degree, those of you that God told you to be here, he didn't tell you to go someplace else that you went that ended up getting you here. You just, you just, you were just going through life. Sometimes I think about, sometimes I, I'm almost done. Sometimes I think about my, 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 my dad were both my parents born in Pensacola, Florida, but my dad in the military. Then my mother raised in Mississippi. All of the things that had to happen for me to end up meeting. I got to tell you, I am really looking forward to tomorrow. I'm just telling you. I All of the things that had to happen, all of the pieces that had to fall into place for my parents to meet, then to come to Maryland, and then all of the different things that had to fall into place for her dad to end up in PG County, in Anne Arundel County. There, there, there were, Jalen, there, there wasn't a bunch of thus saith the Lord's. It was just somebody hitched you to a post one day. Some of you say, if I ever get unhitched, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> then, 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 then you... Then you think about, man, you think about some of the situations some of you have been through that have brought you here. It wasn't, wasn't, really it wasn't good things. It was not that you didn't want to be here, but it was heartache and pain. It was just, it was just one coincidence after another. Just, just one coincidence after another. That God, I got a colt there, and when you show up, he'll be waiting. 
Nobody's ever ridden him before. He's not trained. Not broken. But I've selected him. I know most of you probably feel like me. I feel more like a colt, Brother Phil, than I do one of them horses in the derby yesterday. I just kind of going, just, just. But you know what? If God can position a colt in that spot and get some disciples to that colt, what do you think he can do with you? And with me, and for somebody out there that's hurting and broken and crying out and sighing, that God is interested in creating what may seem like a coincidence, but really is a divine appointment. I want you to stand, please. said it when I started I'm going to say it again in closing I believe God is in the midst of doing something very significant and we've only seen the beginning of it in fact we I don't even think you call it the beginning I want you to bow your heads close your eyes if you would please for a moment I want to, I'm going to give an altar call. Here's my altar call. I'm going to give an altar call to those that are willing tonight to say, you know what, God? I just want to get in the flow and let you direct me. I don't have to have you tell me every single step to take, but I'm just going to trust God. That you're going to work with me on my end. And you're going to be working with somebody else on their end. And it may seem like a total coincidence. But you are going to orchestrate our paths and cause them to cross. Because there's somebody out there you're desperate to touch. There's somebody out there, God, you're desperate to reach. And you need somebody to speak. You need somebody to go. You're not going to do it without a man or a woman. And so tonight, God, I'm willing to accept. I might not get an audible voice to tell me every step to take and every direction to go. But I'm going to trust that you are going to lead me and guide me. I believe, I don't say this just to say it, I believe in the Holy Ghost tonight. There are some of you that there are some divine appointments that God has already been orchestrating. But because it seems like a coincidence, because it doesn't seem like some great spiritual 
experience, you've actually missed what God has been orchestrating. Help us tonight, God. Help us not to overcomplicate this. Help us not to make this more difficult than it's supposed to be. Help us not to make it more dramatic than it's supposed to be. Help us just to get in the flow of your spirit. In that flow, you can direct our path. In that flow, you can lead us and guide us without a feeling. It may not even seem to be a supernatural experience, but you're guiding us and leading us. There's a Cornelius out there somewhere. There's a Saul out there somewhere. There's an Ethiopian eunuch out there somewhere that's hungry and searching. Direct us, God. Help us to get our eyes off of ourselves. Help us to get our eyes off of our circumstances. Help us to look around for that divine appointment, the appointment that may just seem to be a coincidence. In the name of Jesus, help me to start seeing where I am differently. Some of you need to start seeing your job differently. You're not there by coincidence. You don't work where you work by chance. You don't live where you live by chance. You don't eat where you eat by chance. You don't go where you go by chance. But God. your path. God is ordering your steps. God is positioning you. In the name of Jesus. God, you said those that are your sons are led by your spirit. We are your sons, God. We stand tonight collectively as your sons. Lead us. We want to be led by your spirit. We want to be led by your spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I surrender Change our perspective on where we are, God. Change our perspective on what we're doing. Help us to realize that we are divinely positioned by you. We are divinely placed by you for your purpose, for your plan, for our lives. It may seem like we ended up there by coincidence. 
It may seem to be that we are where we are by chance, but God, you've been in control of it all. And I trust that while on our end you are positioning us, there are others on the other end that you're positioning for us to cross their path, to speak a word of hope, to speak a word of life, to speak a word of salvation. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I give you all, Jesus. I give you all, Jesus. My everyday, ordinary life. I give you my everyday, ordinary life. At certain times, I give it all to you, trusting that you, God, are leading and guiding me to the exact place you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I give you all of me, Jesus. I give you all of me, Jesus. If you're still praying, feel to continue to pray. Please don't be in a hurry. 